in a sense, you had, you started a whole new company a second time. So what was that? Second I transition? had the blueprint. I had yeah. the blueprint. I already did it once with the other guy. Right. So I, I knew exactly what was going to happen the second time. I knew exactly how to do it with better, better strategy, and better tactics. Was I going to get around the processing? No, I've been shut down by every credit card processor, by every Venmo or PayPal. I've been shut down by them all. My, my, my social security does not work anymore for them. It was hard to get past those first six months of like, is this the right thing to do again? Does my family deserve this again? Am I just exhausted right now? Can, can this work? You know, are we going to be able to make this work? And we did, but it did, it was hard at first. I think that being the right age and having the right outlook on life and, and knowing, like I've been knocked down a lot. And actually it's kind of fun to get knocked down, right? You learn so much getting back up. And people, I think, kind of commend you for that. And, and, and everyone learns for, from, from those, those situations. Hey, welcome to the business of being. My name is Paul Kasmus, and I believe that everyone is on a path in life. Growing up, I always loved stories that involved showing someone's origins. You know, movies like Kill Bill, Batman Begins, Star Wars, and The 36th Chamber of Shaolin. These stories captivated my interest, seeing the growth of the character through their struggles, challenges, and victories along the way. I speak with entrepreneurs, CEOs, and business owners about their life and business to learn what it takes to be successful and to discover their unique hero's journey. The conversations will enlighten you on the right mindsets for overcoming any obstacle you might face to help guide you on your unique path in business. Today, I'm talking with Joe Salome, the co-founder and managing partner of Georgia Hemp Company and Simply Wellness. Fire from the corporate world for, quote, being who I am, which is one of my favorite quotes I've heard someone say. Joe decided to start a small advertising agency while launching his first cannabis company. The cannabis company grew to over 2 million in sales and over 3,000 Georgia medical patients in just three years. Then he had to start all over again and started a second cannabis business called the Georgia Hemp Company, which has grown to over 3 million in sales since 2018, three brick and mortar locations, two websites, and a nationwide wholesale network. I was so excited to talk to Joe. I grew up with Joe. He was a few years older than me. And he's just one of those guys that I just always looked up to. It was like, just a cool guy that <laughs> I want to be like. Uh, and so over the years, you know, seeing his journey on social media and how he's adapted and, and really grown this business. Uh, and it was just awesome to catch up with him. It had been literally years. So enjoy this episode insanely fascinating uh conversation about the, what goes on in the world of uh medical marijuana cbd thc type products um a lot of business insight on growing a brand especially a brand or a business in an industry that um, has a lot of legality around a lot of regulations and laws and things like that so a lot of gold nuggets of wisdom in here a lot of fascinating conversations check it out this is an amazing amazing episode you had said you were fired from the corporate world for being who I am. Like, tell me a little bit about that. So I was at Moe's and Moe's is owned by Focus Brands. And so essentially it's, it's a corporate environment. And I've traditionally worked in non-corporate environments, or at least for people that are entrepreneurs, if you will. And so when you work at, you know, even, even at a corporate environment where people are entrepreneurs, there's still a lot of leniency. There's a different culture that has been created. And Moe's had gotten to that point where they were purchased by someone else and the culture had changed. So again, me being who I am, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very entrepreneurial minded individual. I like to speak my mind because I think that 
I'm in the room for a reason, so I might as well chat, right? And so, you know, I think at the, at the end of the day, when you're on the company retreat and your boss says, where do you see yourself in five years? The correct answer is not your job, you know? So that, I don't think that was very friendly to him. And, you know, there's just, you know, sometimes you don't make friends in every environment. Even if you are very successful, even if you win those trips to the Bahamas, even if you win the, the accolades of whatever, whatever, that doesn't mean that everyone is certainly on your team and, and anything can change at any given time. I wonder if that's a cultural thing with, with Moe's and how, who bought them, but it's, it seems to be a recurring theme with, with businesses that when it's a, of a certain size and culture, it's like not everyone is necessarily working for the betterment of that organization or for the people internally. And it seemed like that might've been the case where your boss was like, or, or the people around you weren't trying to maybe support each other. Everyone had their own ulterior motives. Hundred uh, percent. I think at the end of the day, every everyone has their own motives in those kind of environments. Th those ladder climbing situations, everyone, it's it's like a reality TV show. You know, I mean, people act out and aren't who who, who they truly are a lot of times uh, within those four walls, and it just turns weird sometimes. Yeah, and I guess yeah, I can see that as the entrepreneurial mind. Like it doesn't, it doesn't often bode well. I, I noticed that for myself when I was teaching for two years. I was like, I've never been this rebellious in my life until I've been in like a real full-time job. I was like, it's just this whole other side. And that's when I was like, I probably shouldn't be a teacher. And then it it's was like after that. Someone says, hey, do you want to take a day off? You want to skip today? You're kind of like, yeah, why not? It's okay, right? Yeah. Like when you're an entrepreneur and you're in your own thing, you don't do those things, right? You're very on, on, on top of it, so. Yeah, and, and th that other concept of, hey, you know, I think I'm going to take off Friday. I'm going to take a vacation day. Like, well, you got to get that approved. Like, wait, I wasn't asking. I was like more telling. Yeah, I'm going to have lunch for an extended period of time because I want to. Like, I'm eating with a friend, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I've been saying, I think the future of work, and I've heard this from other folks. I, this is not my original thought, but everyone's self-employed and, and working in their skill set for others. But I think it's it's very antiquated way of thinking that, that Corona has brought to light where if you have a full-time job, like they own your time and it's not smiled upon to have a side hustle, whatever it may be. And I think that's wrong. Like no one should fully own your entire work day. You know, it's funny for them, I say them, the corporate folks, for them, the fun or the extra stuff is those team building things you guys get to do, right? And it's like, you know, that that is, but there's more that I would like to explore perhaps or do. I, I literally remember sitting with the boss that let me go as I opened up the 500th Manhattan the 500 store in Manhattan for Moe's. We were sitting there one night and we we're talking about the future and and, and, and and somebody else was with us and they asked us and I, and I kind of gave my thoughts on cannabis in the future. And he said, I can't believe you have this conversation with us right here, right now. And I was like, well, I can't believe that you don't see the, the reality of the of that, that side of the fence. So why that's not a relevant conversation. So we're all business people here talking, right? So why, why wouldn't I? What, you want me to talk about candies and ice cream? Like, you know, like we still uh, like why not? Why, why not crypto and anything else, right? Right, and and when in hindsight, all that makes sense. But when before it's the thing, yeah, you get those people that are like, Joe, you're sounding crazy. You're talking about cannabis, dude. In, uh, in the South and Georgia. Yeah. Well, I I and I think well, I'm, I want to learn more about I guess what happened after. Of you were saying you started your first cannabis company and an advertising company kind of simultaneously. So how, what was the transition like from corporate world to, to those other businesses? You know, you have a lot more responsibility on your plate from a uh, financial standpoint and book, 
bookkeeping and legalities of, of, of registering a business and opening a bank account and kind of doing all these little basic things that, you know, my background in marketing and other departments would typically handle, if you will, right? So you kind of take on more hats, obviously. But when you start your own business, you find yourself at 10 a.m. maybe dumping out the uh, wastebasket or the uh, mop bucket. And you kind of look down at the ground as you do it. And you're like, what am I doing? at 10 15 on a whatever more is this is uh, yes it is what's your that, that's actually yeah yep you're supposed to be doing that shit at that point in time because that's that's what you're doing that's what you're doing now you are every department yeah what year was that when you when that so, first came? as an individual you know that we went to church with growing up we, we started a cannabis company so it was about 2013, getting 2014, Colorado was going legal. And so a friend of a friend of mine, you know, we grew up going to church with said, Hey, let, let's start a legal cannabis company. Now that things are kind of swaying that way. There were noises down at the Capitol of possibly a bill being introduced to help medical patients. And so we did a press release, a PR Newswire nationwide press release. And it stated, we're giving away medical marijuana in the state of Georgia, spite state laws. So we kind of threw it out there. About three days later, the, the politicians that were working on the bill called us and said, hey, would you guys like to participate in maybe helping us create this bill? And or even maybe have, you know, just what the input is on the actual medicine that may be coming uh, from it. So we said, absolutely. I mean, that was our introduction into lobbying. <laughs> Not everyone goes to college or business school and learns about lobbying. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was a quick introduction, kind of a cool thing, if you will. There's a lot of pros and cons, but there could be some really good use to lobbying uh, to, to get things changed. So that was 2014. And we, you know, kind of got a couple bills introduced, but we never got the full in-state growing manufacturer distribution. And we're still kind of there today, right? Patients, over 10,000 patients in the state of Georgia with 16 conditions don't have access to that medicine. And so that we're still waiting on that to happen. They're going to give out licenses to six companies here in the next year to start that process. But that was kind of where, 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 when we were born. That was the first company. We started helping Georgia patients specifically because this bill was created. And so we were helping them get that medicine that they couldn't get. You know, parents with children that had to fly out west in wheelchairs or MS patients that really couldn't operate outside their home. A lot of situations that you know, quite frankly, the state put them in a tough position. And so we took it upon ourselves to help them. We grew our company into a legal CBD company as well. And then in uh, 2017, kind of out of nowhere, he kind of pulled out the rug from a, I would say $3 million company with a full staff helping quite a few people. And so at that point we pivoted, I pivoted, grabbed my sales rep who has a lifelong friend with as well. And we started two new brands. Interesting. Damn, quite the journey. And because what, what's fascinating and, and keeps in my head, like there's enough, there's enough risk of just starting a business, but like starting a business in an industry that's not fully legal federally. And, and I, so it's like even more massive of a, of a risk. I mean, back in we 2013. We were putting ourselves out there. There's no doubt, especially operating what looked like a legitimate brand, right? My background's marketing. So I was creating a brand and a communication strategy with our consumers and with doctors and with lobbyists and with politicians so we were you know doing a lot of different groundwork middle work high we were doing all these different levels of work to influence what this industry could look like and and we still are doing that even today but yes lots of risk lots of illegal things happening and and distribution but at the end of the day we were i, I was willing to go in front of a court or, or a panel like nobody else was got it we, we were willing to take the risk basically of whatever yeah, yeah. it was uh, and then we, we pulled the plug. 
Yeah. Which it's like what people are talking about now. And you mentioned crypto a few minutes ago, but like, it's easy now to be like, yeah, I should have gotten in on Bitcoin two years ago, or I don't know how to say it, like dog coin, whatever, D-O-G-E, like those overnight millionaires. But like, yeah, you, you look stupid if you're putting in five, 10 grand before it's a thing. And so, I mean, yeah, you, you bet on, on an industry that now is the thing. I mean, and I, I just think it's nuts, like how far it's come even in the last two years, but I, I, I'm shocked that like 2013, 14, when you first got going, it's not, it was not nearly as close or like as open as it is now. Were there like a lot, do you have a lot of haters? Or people are like, Joe, man, what are you doing, dude? Cannabis? Um, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, man. I mean, especially in the corporate world or I still have friends. I think it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll meet them in real life and they'll say, hey, I, I couldn't tell you congratulations online or on that platform, but hey, I really want to congratulate you right now. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. Thank you, I guess. Uh, but yeah. if you're that apprehensive about touching a like button, on something I've posted, then I mean, come on, what what do we what world are we living in? The apprehension to that. Yes, people from day one, what are you doing? You've got a fa- you've got a new child being born. You know, you you're doing. A, isn't this a bigger risk to put your family in? I had more control of my life at the end of the day, right? I mean, we were I was controlling more of my life at the end of the day. No, it wasn't a risk in my mind because I I loved what I was doing. I had a passion for it, and it was converting you know everything I'd built up in my entire life to apply to this. Uh, and do it really well. You know, if I was 25 versus 35 or 30, whatever, I think it would have been a lot different. That that does make a difference. And was that was that because of just being 35 and, and having a, a child and a family or a combination of that and the industry? Yeah, that and just experience in life, right? Just dealing with adults more and dealing with the real life situations or business situations. You know, when you're in college and you're doing accounting, you're like, oh, this is cool. It's a spreadsheet with millions of dollars on it. This will never be real. <laughs> and then you get in that situation, you're like, shit, this spreadsheet's just like we used to do with millions of dollars on it. And we're depreciating this and we're, we're doing projections of five years. And you have to use all these new functions that you don't, you remember from college, like, you know, it, it exacerbates pretty quickly. And so you have to have just a different mindset. My mindset's never been to run a small business. You don't ever want to own one subway. You want to own five subways. That's 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 the growth. That's the leverage, right? And again, my background is with hair cuttery, with you know thousands of hair salons across the nation, Mo's, a thousand stores across the nation, uh, and dealing with a lot of local entrepreneurs here in Atlanta to help with, the, with their marketing strategies. It's it's never about one. I mean, it is about the one in their community, but it's really about the five in that region, right, or the twenty or sixty in that area. And that's really what our mindset is: is building a brand that transcends a brand that you can put at the same level regionally as a Home Depot, a Coke, or whatever, as this becomes accepted and, and we can become an industry leader in that, in that regard. So when you're, when you're looking at the, at the region and that expansion, I know you've got, I think, three brick and mortars with Georgia Hemp Company. Yep. How, how does that look? Like if you're going to open something in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, do you keep it as Georgia hemp or, or what's, what's, what does that look like? So we have two brands and what I learned in the last company was that everyone wants to launch a brand and get on your shelf or your website. Right. And that's the game that we were playing before. So what I did is I created two brands. I created the brand that wants to be on the shelf or wants to be on every website. And that's called simply wellness. That is our endocannabinoid fortification company that crosses borders and crosses over just the CBD. It's, it's all over. It can be, 
a legitimate cannabis brand by itself. So that's kind of our in-house brand, if you will. And then the Georgia Hemp Company, which is our shelf space, our website, and our distribution. So now I can distribute not only my brand and other brands, but I've got 70 SKUs all by myself, right? And so we're able to now distribute all over the country under the Georgia Hemp Company, a very friendly name, SEO friendly name, brand name. Simply Wellness is a little bit unique and different and made up and like most things are in our industry. So again, we were able to get that out there and brand it and not feel the pressure of launching that weird company while having a really easy, what I considered an easy brand to launch and get moved. Okay, so so outside, the, outside the state then, I think regionally we could do the Georgia Hemp Company, but if I went outside the state, it would be a Simply Wellness company. It'd be a Simply Wellness store. Okay. That makes sense. Because, and, and if I'm understanding, you're saying like the distribution side, it's like Georgia Hemp Company distributes the Simply Wellness products. And anything else I want to distribute. Yeah. Right. So as the industry grows outside of just CBD or cannabinoid consumables, we're talking hemp shirts, talking hemp hats, we're talking hemp herd, we're talking pet stuff, right? And so the Georgia Hemp Company is such a broad brand name, we're able to go into a lot of different facets of the industry as it grows. Yeah, and the SEO friendly thing, if you haven't subscribed, I have no affiliation to this newsletter. Stacked Marketer is where I get all my news. It's freaking sweet. They had something, I think two weeks ago on this whole study that, that an agency did, or maybe it came from Google directly, that businesses where the local name was in the name of the, the thing of the of the business just naturally puts you into like just getting that SEO because of that. Like if you're you're gonna open up a pizza shop in Atlanta, you know, Atlanta Pizza Company or something like that. It doesn't sound sexy and it doesn't sound like super clever, but and, and I'll and I, I kind of tend to get on tangents, which I'm gonna eliminate, but no, there's fine. one there's a franchise in the DC, Virginia like the and a symbol, whatever that's called, the ampersand. It, it's like that symbol pizza. And I'm like, that, okay, that's clever. And I'm sure someone spent a lot of time on that. But like, how do you do, how do you even talk about that? How does that relate to SEO? And there's a difference like between, effect, yeah. I think there's a difference between being like cool and clever and then actually having a sustainable business and a sustainable brand. I, I like the local strategy of near me, whatever the, whatever the company, like, you know, vape pens near me, CBD near me. So I, I, like, I like when people do that strategy. Yeah, it's that, that split second test when someone's looking at something and analyzing and subconsciously thinking, is this for me? Is this what I'm looking for? They see Georgia Hemp Company, like that makes sense versus some like random name that- Sarah something or health or what, you know, very easy. And again, my, my, my goal at the end of the day was not to be extreme cannabis or extreme medical or extreme, whatever. It was to be the middle, middle ground, middle brand, the everyone brand. So everyone can come in. We can talk to everyone in a way that they can understand it, uh, a great consultation and essentially get them out the door with a product that's going to help. Yeah. So. Well, and going back a little bit, I, I love your story. And I, and I know how tough it is to kind of like start <laughs> over, especially you know, coming from that first corporate to the first cannabis company, but then starting over almost, I mean, was it, it was, it was not going to be the same as starting completely over because you had the experience, had the sales rep. 
but in a sense, you had, you started a whole new company a second time. So what was that? Second I had transition? the blueprint. I had yeah. the blueprint. I already did it once with the other guy. Right. So I, I knew exactly what was going to happen the second time. I knew exactly how to do it with better, better strategy, and better tactics. Was I going to get around the processing? No, I've been shut down by every credit card processor by every Venmo or PayPal. I've been shut down by them all. My, my social security does not work anymore for them. But that is one of the biggest hurdles that we've had. But I had the blueprint, but, but to your point, it, it definitely, it was hard. It was hard to get past those first six months of like, is this the right thing to do again? Does my family deserve this again? Am I just exhausted right now? Can, can this work? You know, are we going to be able to make this work? And we did, but it did, it was hard at first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking back, it's always like, well, that sucked for six months a year. I mean, th those six months a year when you're starting are long. It's a long was, ass time. I was renting an apartment or a condo above ours as our office. And so it was just like a weird feeling that you know, you're walking stairs, you got makeshift stuff happening. You're, you're just trying to launch something and you're like, this, this is where we're launching this. And again, with, those are all the great stories come from, but it's still weird to fall from a top place, right? You worked hard to get somewhere and then you fall and there's to redo it so quickly. You know, again, I think that being the right age and having the right outlook on life and, and knowing, like I've been knocked down a lot. And actually it's kind of fun to get knocked down, right? You learn so much getting back up and people I think kind of commend you for that. And, and, and everyone learns from, from, from those, those situations. You know, if I taught my daughter something, maybe she was too young to even understand it, but she'll know the story eventually, you know? Yeah. And she'll see that and, and be like, Hey, remember, remember that time that, you know, the office was above and maybe you didn't see, see dad that often. You, I don't, you know, who knows? what that work life balance is like, which is always tough. Well, and, you know, that's the tough thing. I was, you know, my wife and, you know, I just tried to make sure I was there at dinner at five, you know, especially you know, when, when she was young. So you, you do, you know, even now I want to make sure I'm there at soccer practice at five. So there's just, you got, you have to make the time and, you know, quality of life is the most important thing. So they're, they're going to they're going to take the, the grunt of it even more than you are. So it's, it's trying to balance that for sure. Mm -hmm. And so with, I guess, would you say that like, We'll say about three years. I'm seeing this this new one that was started in 2018, right? Right Which, at the end of 2017, October. Yeah, we, we reincorporated two companies, worked with my designer on a couple brand development, you know, all, all the, the colors, the, the images, the pick this, the pick that, the names on this. So we went through those processes pretty quickly. And by the next year, we launched. You know, we, yeah. we had launched the websites. We, we, were, we were procuring products, you know. Would you think like that, three, three and a half years into it, where we're at now, like, you feel like you've made it or that you've kind of reached that same level that you want to be at where it's not as much about the grind, but now it's about growth and expansion and whatever your future goals are. Yeah, definitely not, definitely not stopping, definitely not feeling stuck or, or there's always growth. I'm, I'm here every day with them redoing the back room, make it more flowing, right? Uh, we're looking for a new spot for production. It, it's definitely growth and, and, it's all of it. You know I mean? I don't, I'm not stopping. I don't, I don't have the mind to stop right now. The, we have a short window to shoot the gap and we've got to shoot as hard as possible while we have the opportunity. We, so anything can happen. So we've got to shoot the gap. Right. Strike, strike while the iron's hot. Cause I mean, who knows? And, and also set yourself up on this, what I think to be a massive wave of the, of this emerging industry. I mean, is that, and is that what, you, what you're working at and what you see it when you say shooting that gap of yes, being on uh, the forefront? Yes, continue building a brand, continue building a brand that someone may want, 
right? At the end of the day, that serves value in the industry. Building a brand in ourselves. So if we're not ever at this company anymore, we're still a value from a leadership standpoint, a thought leader in the, in the industry. Hopefully we're developing a staff that will go out and sing the praises of, of what of what this culture was, right? I used to work at 790 The Zone, a sports talk radio station here in Atlanta. And the culture there and what people know about it is historic, right? They're not around anymore, but what they did to break barriers and be different and push the envelope was awesome. And I was proud to be part of that. So I'm hoping that I have the same respect coming out of you know my folks and that respect is in the industry when people hear about where they came from. So what does that look like then as far as that brand building and then that authority building for yourself and your company? I'm just curious like, from a marketer's perspective as well, like what, what do you work on? You know, we, 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 continue, continue, we continue to develop new products with new cannabinoids as they come out and they're accessible, right? So it's past the THC, past the CBD, CBN, CBG. We have to be a steward and a communicator and an educator for the industry when new things come out so we can make people comfortable in using those items. We have to continue building the brand and acting like a marketing company or a communication company and continue doing the sports events, continue to do the music events, you know, possibly having more stores in the market, making sure our product is in other stores where we're not. You know, we partnered with Starship as 20 locations in Atlanta or in Georgia. That expanded us quite a bit where we couldn't go, right? So continue to make those partnerships. And so what is the next, right now, what does the next three to five years look like from a growth perspective for this brand? What we know is that there's no, there's no koozie yet invented for this, this industry, right? Lots of opportunity happening. It's, yeah, because it's still in development. I mean, I wonder if we, if we were to look back at the history of, I don't know, you'd say like, you know, beer from, from where it's gone of, you know, like, like my parents talk about Coors Light when that was like a thing on the East coast, it was a big deal. And then maybe even how craft beer has been the last, I don't know, 10 years. And so any yeah. of these, these markets where, where there is no blueprint necessarily, except to look at other industries, but then see how do you apply that for your own industry, your own products and your own company. And it's, I bet that's pretty fun to work on. <laughs> it, it is because you're right. We don't have a blueprint, but we do, right? We can look at what the FDA requires for packaging and follow that. We can look at the food industry and see how they're handling stuff and, and mimic that. So we can try to be the best, you know, responsible business people that we can be by looking at those things, knowing there's nothing around us right now. And we're, we are kind of setting the tone at some level and there's responsibility behind that, you know? And responsibility in terms of what you were saying with like the education and doing it right. Correct. Right. Correct. Right. Look, you know, there's the, Hey, let's put a dispensary in every corner and sell everyone weed. Right. That, that's great. But are they going to come back if they don't have a good experience? You know, my first question to most people is what's your milligram tolerance? I don't know. Well, that's an issue. We're going to start at step one, right? Like, okay, no more than five to 10 milligrams and we'll work from there. And so just, again, it's a slew of questions, question behind the question, right? We want to, we want to make sure that we are, we, we are facilitating this in the best way possible. We want to be the best stewards for the industry. Mm -hmm. And that's, it was interesting, probably timing wise, I think a day or two ago, you posted on Facebook of a year or two ago, you're like, here's my setup. You're like, no tablecloth, no, it's just like this ragtag. Was that was one being, of your first? Events? I was being silly. I was being silly, but yes, that was probably our second event after launching, you know, a few months before that spring had happened and things were, yeah. So I was, I was being silly, but at the same time, you know, 
sometimes you got to celebrate yourself, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally, I'm like, I get that. I see that. And I, I've seen that in my own stuff where I'm like, that was me a couple of years ago. Well, you know, I can, I can do it much better, but that's part yeah. of your, that's also like your outreach and your marketing strategy, but it sounds like you're still doing and getting out to events and, and, and music festivals or music shows and sports. And I guess the obvious question, how has that changed with Rona? Oh man, the last year has stunk, right? We've created a lot more content on the, for, for digital, right? We, we've had to push a lot, lot more, get a little bit more creative, but they're coming around. You know, we've pushed where we could. We were as safe as possible when we, when, when we were allowed to go out and do things, but we're now back out doing golf events. Yeah, you know, we're back out doing sporting events. We're back out doing some music events. Uh, we're at a lot of breweries. We're at a lot of little small events, which is great. So we're ecstatic to get the ball rolling back on that. I mean, that's our bread and butter is communicating and touching and engaging with, with, with folks. Yeah. And that, do you, do you do anything with, with influencers? Like that's a big topic now. And some people find it have had mixed results. I'm curious if that's a thing that you've touched on. I don't like, I don't, I don't, I don't like paying people for stuff. Again, my background's in marketing. If you're not legitimate in your, in your messaging, then I, I don't, most consumers know. And so, uh, if it's not Snoop Dogg, if it's not one of my athletic friends that I know from, from my 790 the world that I know are legitimately using the products I've been giving them. I mean, I, I, have, I have got ex-NFL players that are legitimately using this that are loving it. They are my best spokespeople, right? I don't, so those are my influencers. I, I like the, the ones that are, that are tied to the family versus what we call tastemakers, I guess, versus paying somebody random for the deck they just sent me and how many people are going to help me and, you know, whatever. I don't yeah. like it. I, I like get it. that. Well, um, and it's more genuine. It, it, correct. And that's what I want my brand to, to be. I don't, I don't look, is it nice to pay for reviews on YouTube? Sure. It can get you a lot of growth. That's, that's a growth hack, right? I can hire every influencer in Atlanta to post some stuff. Great growth hack, right? I just, I don't know. I, I think over time, what, what, what happens next week when somebody else is paying them? Right. <laughs> and that, and that, that gets old. Like if, you know, an, an influencer who looks at themselves as, I mean, if, if that's what they do full time, they got to make money from it. So if it can, it can wear themselves out, like, well, this, this is same person touting another product who gives a shit. So, yeah. well, well and, uh, and that's like what people try to get to like that, that shortcut, that hack to get what hack. you already have of that, those relationships. You know, the best hack I ever had, the New York times. Tell me about that. It was about a month and a half, about two months ago. I had a guy call me from New York Times, said they were doing a story on the new Delta 8 THC. And so uh, derived from hemp, converted from CBD, it's kind of a gray area. But essentially the farm bill in 2018 made every part of the plant legal except for Delta 9. So Delta 8 THC, very similar to Delta 9, which is what we all know as illegal and what we've experienced most of our lives. So anyway, Delta 8, we're selling the shit out of it. We're infusing it into everything. New York Times calls us. You know, I give them some quotes. They come and take some pictures. I didn't think I'd be one of two people in the entire article. I figured I'd have a couple quotes, maybe maybe something, right? Something small. Article comes out on a Saturday morning, end of, end of February. And I think my website's being hacked, basically. I'm, I'm emailing and texting everyone. Hey, what's going on? We just went from 10 to 50 to 100 to 500 to 1,000 to... 3,000, right? So what's going on? My web guy goes, hey, man, your New York Times article hit. Shit. Okay, it's not just mine. There's got to be other stuff in it. No, you're one of two people with your picture and a direct link to your website to purchase. 
So over the next month, we probably did about 6,000 orders from across the country. We you know, broke our system, which we were a small business and we're no longer a small business, which is cool. And this is at the same time as trying to open our third location. You know, everyone ordered gummies and, and the dichotomy of where we're at in today's world of I click a button, I order it, I want it tomorrow. It's not like back 20, 30 years ago where if you read about something, you wanted it, you went to your local distributor and you asked them. And then that guy or that person, that woman would call their distributor and say, hey, you get a lot of people asking for the new X. Can we get some? This was completely different. This was a direct click link to my website to purchase the website I just rebuilt, thank God. And they bought 5,000 bottles of gummies that took me a month to fill. We did half a million dollars in a month. Now the best hat is the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't even pay for it. I mean, I would have to guess they called you from the years and years that you've been lobbying, been putting yourself out there and been establishing yourself. It's just like, dude, I don't know. You, you want to talk about hemp and cannabis? Talk to Joe at Georgia Hemp Company. He knows what's up. So, somebody at Leafly gave him our number, said somebody, these guys down in the South have been doing this for a while and they're cranking out on here and people come on our website, either asking for it or looking for it, giving reviews on it, yada, yada. And so I just kind of went from there and again, being in marketing and being in PR, you have to take advantage of those situations immediately, right? You can't leave the, you can't call back tomorrow. You got to call them back now. You can't wait two days. You don't schedule anything. You do it immediately. And so that was part of the strategy as well as no matter what comes our way, we take advantage of it. Damn, dude. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Well, then, and again, two weeks ago, Newsweek. Newsweek. So, so that's still to be released or something. No, no, no. That happened for 20 weeks. So I came out the week of 420. Oh damn! I, man, I I need to I need to do a deeper dive into, into Google on on this stuff and just see it. So the front on front front Oh, yes, sir. Just a, a, a new customer, <laughs> dude. That's awesome, man. So you're you're. I guess you, you talked about the, the future, the next couple years. I mean, is it just new stores? Is there a franchise model that may even exist? Or is that even something like you just we want to keep looked, doing all? We looked and we investigated it early on. It doesn't cost a whole lot when you finally get to the level of, of being able to do it. And I think people would buy them. After working at Moe's, I don't know if I want to babysit entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs have their own minds. And when you kind of tell them what the deal is, and they go, hey, what about, hey, what do you think about I'm like, hey, guy, the contract is kind of, you do what the document says. I love ideas, but right now we're trying to you know, launch your franchise. And so we can't have this back and forth. And that, that's what we found kind of early on when we started to investigate this. So right. Is that, you are? At least for right now. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a shorter window on this than people think. Okay, I would bet that you would probably, in those franchise models, attract people who are like, well, I'm, this is an investment and I'm just going to, buy this and it's like well did you actually you, you always have to work for something there's not a lot of or you free or you have a management company right you have a management company that is operating your however many franchises you run in the country that makes sense I, I, any it's interesting you always learn about these different niches that just so Mo's yeah. Mo's is quite unique I mean the, the guy who was the CEO at Focus Brands owned the most Arby's in the country. He owned more Arby's than anyone, right? He basically told Arby's corporate what to do at the end of the day. And basically he had his own, you know, high rise and operations and finance and accounting and, you know, market every department that operated his Arby's. 
his 300 Arby's, whatever it was. And then those individuals you see will jump into the new thing. I want to buy some Moe's. Hey, I want to buy the pizza places. I want to buy whatever else is, whatever the next category is. And they just get, continue operating these franchises on a very high level. They're their, they're their own restaurant groups, if you will. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm not even thought, and I have thought, heard of folks, maybe like when you hear about like Shaq or Peyton Manning who own like God knows how many Domino's or, or Papa John's that, well, yeah, then you, then you have like each store needs a GM or needs part-time staff. They have yep. their own. Yep. So every, the, just like we're doing now, every store is a manager, every store has a staff. You know, eventually once you get to three to five to 10 stores, you got a district manager. Then you start hiring trainers and a marketer. And so then essentially you've got a small operation, right? And once you have that machine well-oiled and running, you can pivot to take on new responsibilities. What were you saying about this, like the short window? You said there's a short window for this. Yeah, I think hemp, I think CBD, I think cannabis, I think the guys, us, the regulations, I, you know, I, I don't want to call it a pseudo cannabis economy or market, but you know, we're selling hemp flour to smoke, right? We're selling this Delta eight to compete with Delta nine as gunnies, as oils, we're doing all these things. The, the regulations will come down eventually to start squeezing us out. They just have, they will have to, the FDA, we're just, we're, you know, it's like all that nutraceuticals, right? Not necessarily approved, lots of regulation, but those guys are becoming squeezed. They became more squeezed out over time. Do you think that'll change if, if on the federal level, it is just the recreational side is just open and then it allows you to I, you know, everything's semantics. Oh, what's just open mean, right? Nothing's yeah. just legal, right? Milk isn't just legal to, to milk and serve, right? Everything has regulation. And so no matter what the industry is, it's going to have regulations, it's going to have red tape, it's going to have all these things you're going to have to do to participate at some level. And right now the regulations are so exorbitant that you have to be one company that handles everything from seed to sale. These multi-state operators invest in billions of dollars to do everything to grow, extract, manufacture, package, and distribute within each individual state. So would that then lead to only the Altria, Philip Morris's, what, RJ Reynolds to... to Parallel, all these big, what they call multi-state operators, MSO, MSOs. And these uh -huh. guys are continuing to buy or acquire other brands and grow or uh, merge. So these guys own everything. Now, hemp's a completely different industry, but even that, Delta 8, CBD, all these things always will threaten that industry at, 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 a, at a level that when this thing gets to that level. And that's why pharmaceuticals will be really the, the, the cash cow. It's not a dispensary on every corner. It's what these pharmaceutical companies can do with individual cannabinoids for humans to live better lives. It's not buying joints and you know, infused colas on the corner. That's not, that's not the cash cow. I mean, it is for us as we see it right now, right? Let's invest in this. Let's see this company grow. Let's see them sell a bunch of products to a mature market that's been mature for over a million years of users. And they're going to crush it because what are we? We're a, consume, a consumer-based uh, economy here. We consume no matter what it is. That's what we do. Yeah. But medicine, nobody wants to fucking talk about it. These big pharmaceutical companies are going to be the ones that develop it, synthesize it, and make us healthier through cannabinoid research. That makes sense. And I would right. hopefully better than, I mean, I don't know much about like, what do they call it? I mean, whatever, like Oxycontin and these like. All pills. these things that tear Just, your liver up. 
We just had an NFL player pass away from liver, his liver failing because he was on opioids his entire NFL career. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. So and hopefully have, it's just the better. Yeah, we have, we have, we have people after the age of 30 that are taking Tylenol, ibuprofen, all these insects that are just tearing their livers apart over 50 years. Why are we doing this? And again, if, if, if we're doing this here without any regulation, what do you think pharmaceutical companies think about that? At the end of the day, big picture, right? Right now they don't really care. Once this thing becomes legal, they can put their money in the bank and they can really put research funds into it. So again, I, I got to shoot the gap and put as much in there so I can go to Costa Rica eventually, you know? <laughs> and would that be selling it to like a, like a larger big corporate company or some other dude that wants to take it on or yeah i think if somebody wants to give me a bunch of money i'm i'm, I'm going a heartbeat right it'd be nice to ride this cow out as long as i can but at some level the georgia hemp company again no matter what even if i run it to the ground has some brand seo to it. there's something there that people want damn so you're it's almost like well, I guess, I mean, any, any business has that kind of timer. I think that's what makes entrepreneurs like tick in a certain way where you're like, dude, I gotta, I gotta get in when the opportunity's there, nothing is guaranteed because you see how hard it is to work in any industry when it's you having to create it and make stuff happen. So maybe it's hopefully not all that I'll much able, different. Yeah, hopefully I'll be able to pivot and do something more relaxing, right? Like open a cannabis cafe wait, wait till the laws kind of play out right. Do something more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And as opposed to, well, I guess whoever, maybe if I'm thinking of like the folks that are making the vaccine, they're going to, it sounds like they're going to be the ones doing the research and doing the medical stuff. Altria types are going to be doing maybe the, I don't know, joints for lack of a better, the recreational maybe. Yeah. You'll have a lot of universities involved with research. And these big pharmaceutical companies, especially internationally, involved with the research. Yep. And then you'll have the guys focused on purely the recreational market. Opening stores and selling as much cannabis, right? Growing as much weed as possible and packaging it in whatever form it is, whether it's an edible, a beverage, or smokable, and selling as much as possible. At the end of the day, that's the only goal for a consumer-driven product, right? More Coca-Cola, more bed sheets more widgets yeah that's their only goal right to please the who the people that invested and you can't have ever losses you always have to have growth every fucking year so it's just, you know whatever it's stupid we're putting all this pressure on these new companies to perform and like it's just the dumbest stuff anyway <laughs> <laughs> well and then when you were saying like if one of your things being just open it up like a, a cool chill cafe would would that kind of be the next phase of if if you get, if that gap ends and then everything that you're doing now is kind of into the bigger places, you can still they, operate they within start, the niche. Yeah. Yes, yeah, stay, stay within my, stay where I'm at. I used to make business plans in college about weed, right? I'm where I want to be. Yeah. Now it's how do I stay here and navigate? And that's what you see with people in industries as young entrepreneurs, they phase out of that first business, that second business, and they keep riding the wave onto what's next. Is it consumer goods that are made from hemp? Is it food for pets? Is it, I don't know, but we're gonna follow that path and as regulation eases up and as more opportunity exists, cannabis fucking cafe. Yeah, but you're just kicking it. Maybe maybe cashed out like, all right, now I'm just living maybe, that. That's right, maybe it's, a gym, maybe it's a sports cannabis gym, right? We dive more into the lifestyle aspect of of the of the industry and that's what people want people want lifestyle 
there's always a lot of comparisons between weed and, and alcohol and like just how alcohol is, is such a thing with restaurants, bars, clubs. Is there that much parallel with it of how, what you could conceivably do with it? So old school culture is take it home and enjoy it, right? Because that's what we are built to, that's how we are built, right? It's illegal. Don't go out in public. Your eyes are red, you smell. At some point I stopped caring, right? So I think the new generation, my employees that are in their 20s, they'll post themselves on TikTok or Insta, whatever, smoking joints and shit, man. And I'm like, yeah, I've never done that. Like, what's yeah, wrong yeah. with you? So will people get more comfortable going out and doing it? Yes, because we are social people and we like to, cons and I think consuming cannabis is a very social element going back millions of years. So yes, I do think that will become a very big part of it eventually, but there has to be a social conscious change there because we're, we're, majority of Americans are, have grown up in the old, crazy, scared world of cannabis. Right, Reefer which madness. Is, what? Reefer madness. Reefer madness, yeah. And when you see it get depicted on TV shows or movies, like, oh, the mom accidentally eats a weed brownie and suddenly she's going berserk. Like, have you, do you know what that's you really ever. like? No, I, one, my one recommendation from a good entertainment standpoint to learn about industry is a, a show called disjointed disjointed and it's on netflix it's a full two seasons it's comedy one of those 30 minute sitcoms a very well written and i you could probably teach a class on every episode whether we're talking about legalization influencers every topic that we've kind of gone through banking you know medical use for all these things every everyone was such a great fun educational kind of a th I could teach a class on it but disjointed be a great recommendation for people looking to kind of get a fun insight to the industry you know what 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 you know, kind of like the where we're at yeah I find it so fascinating just because of growing up and what you were saying like yeah it's it's you you gotta hide it you gotta you do it behind closed doors you sneak off and yeah come back and your your eyes are red but now it's it's almost like well, the, there's that war on drugs from the 80s or maybe early 90s. It's like, well, this is kind of like at least part of it ending and maybe what the implications of that are for culture in the U.S., the rest of the world, with, where if U.S. has gotten it, well, everyone else may follow suit and all the benefits that could economically, medicinally, I don't know, anything else. You know, it stinks is we're actually late to the, to the game. We've been doing research for over 40 years. Doc, Dr. Raphael Mishulam found the endocannabinoid system. He discovered it. He discovered our CB1 and CB2 receptors. He did tests on lab rats because that's all he could do. But to the point where the Israeli government said, yes, this is a viable medical solution. And so for the past 20 years, Israeli medical patients have been able to use cannabis in controlled situations. They've had businesses grow. Their technology has grown around it. And they have a viable, they're a leader in the world, right? They're in Influence in GW Pharmacy, the, the big pharmaceutical company out of the UK that developed the first uh, seizure medicine approved by the FDA here in America. There's a chain, there's a link to, to going all the way back. And so, you know, there's stuff happening and just got to recognize it. What stinks in America is we always think that it has to be on the FDA to say it's okay. We're our own people. And that's kind of going back to being an entrepreneur is we're our own people. We don't need people to tell us what to do. You can build your own structure. You can decide what goes in your own body and you can decide how you, you, you take your own health on your own wing. And so we're, we're, we're more in that era because of the access to the internet and information. And we're able to spread that. We can, and, and people are learning a lot more. 
are you familiar with Graham Hancock? He's like, he was on Joe Rogan, like he's been on Joe Rogan multiple times. Okay. Uh, he's an author and, and it reminded me what you were just saying of that, that freedom to, to, to act and to do things. He was on Rogan and he talks about, he's like, I kind of for years was just smoking. He was always referring to his cannabis, this cool English accent. Like, yeah, I was smoking cannabis like 12 hours a day for decades. And then I, and then I you know, stopped because it just got too much. He did ayahuasca and ayahuasca told him he needed to stop. But he said, what, he's like, what I love about America is it's not, it's still kind of whatever schedule one, I don't know the specifics at the federal level, but he's like individual states have said, have joined together or, or collectively made it legal, Colorado being one of the first. And so it's, it's a growing movement. It's just like, you just can't, you can't deny that progress and what that, what the, what the market wants, what the people are, are wanting. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that's just it is we're now able to make our own decisions and we can look at the education. <laughs> we can look at the education. People can, can do their own research and, and find it in more places than just eight chan. It's not just on one message board. It's all over the internet. It goes back <laughs> millions of years to every, look at this next time. Every time they find a, a, an old million year old skull or body, the statue always has weed in it. Really? A dead million year old person that's been preserved in the ice always has cannabis on them. Always. Never doesn't. That's something Hancock talks about. Dude, I'll, I'll send you this thing, man. It's one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. So he talks about cannabis historically millions of years, exactly what you're saying. He's like human history has been all, around a lot longer than 10, 15,000 years. And that, that's kind of his whole premise. Who are we? How arrogant are we? Yeah, dude, I love that. I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped to see, I, I don't know, just keep, keep seeing what you're doing and, and where you're at. I know we've, we've already kind of, usually I'll, I'll end this with like, man, where do you, where do you see the next few years where you're going? But kind of touched on that so dude i yeah i've been meaning anytime i'm in atlanta i'm like dude i need to hit up joe and just anytime i'm in atlanta it's like crazy busy i'm like you know weekend just like family doing stuff love seeing all your adventures as well and you know look i'm just hustling i'm trying to impress and make everyone happy that i'm doing whatever i'm doing 